It's May. Looming is the summer recruiting season, but here we are, the calm before the storm and other cliches. I'm Thomas Frankar. Ryan Snyder, Sean Fitz with us. And uh, to, to say this is the calm before the storm is, is kind of, this is like the one week lull before there's some major things going on at the end of May. So not to say that we have a slow show coming up, but we're going to be doing a little bit of previewing, looking at some things that are coming up in May. And, uh, you know, kind of uh, look at the horizon, seeing what's coming up with the official visits. But today we have our experts, Ryan Snyder and Sean Fitz with us. Um, guys, grilling this weekend. Fitz, I know you're a big griller. Did you get out? What was on the grill if you did? I didn't grill, but it was uh, Cinco de Mayo, so I always do tacos. I braised some short rib, and they nice. were fantastic. Um, went with that. Went with some chicken. Uh, you know, got a little bit... Uh, Got a little bit of everything done this weekend. Um, the the weather was not great, so we we made the best of what we had, and and we did a really good job with that. So I was happy with how things turned out. Thanks for asking. Absolutely, uh, Ryan. Uh, how's wrangling the kids? <laughs> I'll go last. I got some weird stuff that happened this weekend. Oh, <laughs> well, we just drank, you know, because it was Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> um, no, I'm teasing. I mean, well, not on Cinco de Mayo, but uh, uh, what did we do? I had T-ball. T-ball, yeah. T-ball is kind of my whole life now. Uh, Seems like it's every other day that we're playing a T-ball game. My kids' T-ball season. There are 42 practices and games, guys. Like, what is going on with this? You got to cut out the practice. When you get in season, you got to learn this. When you get in season, you have to cut out the practices. It's just, it's too much. Like, we have, we're supposed to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We cut Friday practices. We go Monday, Wednesday. I I coach, uh, all right, I coach coach pitch. And it's, uh, it's a lot, man. Like, it's a lot more than (laughs) I remember growing up, but. Uh, yeah and again i what isn't nowadays so uh yeah you got to cut those practices out man you got to think think what's best for the team save those arms save Save those arms yeah Yeah. save them for 2020 uh, 2042 when they're in the big leagues uh xander is with us watching from gettysburg good morning xander thank you for dropping in and aaron says hey guys finally made a live stream again happy to have you if you're here on the show please like the video and subscribe to blue Eight illustrated on youtube uh, quickly, and this is not going to, uh, sorry if this is a cliffhanger, but I had a really weird weekend. I'm just going to run it down. I went temporarily partially blind on Thursday night into my day off on Friday where I just like half my vision went and everything. I had to wear glasses all weekend. I, uh, dug out a bank to put in a retaining wall and a chipmunk jumped on me out of a, didn't know that there was a, uh, a chipmunk hole. I didn't even know the chipmunks lived in the ground. Uh, and I had one attack me this weekend and then I, uh, built a retaining wall. So that was fun, but we're talking about recruiting. Nice. So let's get to it. Uh, class of 2023. It was also, uh, it was uh, graduation weekend and somehow I always make my way down into downtown state college graduation weekend, but that means we are officially in a transition period. Um, the rest of the class of 2023 is arriving soon. So, um, Fitz, do you want to set the stage a little bit about who should be arriving here in the next couple of days, weeks, and how important this time is for those guys to get up to speed that we're not here for spring practice? Yeah, it's not going to be the rest of the class next weekend, but that's the date when they're going to start the summer session or whatever, May 15th. Um, so that's the one to watch there. A couple of running backs coming in. Uh, Andrew Rappelier is coming in. I'm really excited to see Rappelier because I think he's got, he's got an opportunity and, uh, can't say that about everybody that shows up at this time of year, but I think he's physically 
kind of where he needs to be. I think he's physically, even though he was not with the team throughout the the January for the spring semester, I think he's physically the most ready of that group of tight ends that came in uh, to come in uh, and, and and maybe shouldn't shake some things up. Khalil Dinkins had a nice spring, obviously got a lot of reps with Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren not involved there, but I think Rappelier has an opportunity to come in and, and do some things right away, which you don't say about tight ends and, and they don't need him to like, yeah. I mean, he's to be a fourth tight end, be a three, four, whatever. Um, you don't really need that to happen, but I think he's a talented kid, so I'm excited to see that. But the uh, the one that's going to move the needle, Dante Cephas uh, from Kent State, it tells me he's he's set to be on campus next Monday. Um, that's a big one. Obviously, you can't you can't stress enough how big that is. We've talked receivers pretty much on every episode that we've been on, whether it be this uh, morning's episode, the Wednesday morning episodes where we talk football live, um, or just basically any time a receiver comes up, we have to talk about Penn State's receiver issues. Um, so Dante Cephas getting in is a big deal. Um, I'm set, supposed to talk to him later this week or later this afternoon. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but you know, I like to like to think positive for that one, but that's, that's the big one is how quickly can they get Cephas accustomed to the uh, culture at Penn state, the weight program, everything that he needs to do and get him on the same page with Drew Aller and, uh, and go with that. So, uh, next Monday, uh, I guess there's kind of a week here. I don't know if you follow Penn state players on, there's their various social channels. They're not here right now for the most part. Take your finals, go home. Uh, some guys graduate over the weekend, but uh, yeah, you've got some, uh, some, some good things to look forward to starting May 15th next, oh, a week from today. Uh, Ryan, are there, I know we, we don't talk to you as enough about this. I don't think, are there any players you think that can contribute in uh, year one that are going to be arriving in the next week or so as Fitz lined uh, outlined. And um, I think a better question this year is, do they really need anybody? Because you look at the roster and, and, and Fitz mentions Cephas and, and Andrew Rappelier, but there's some guys that are good. But do you think kind of what you saw in the spring, what you've heard, that it's a necessity that one of these guys step up at a key position? Because that has been part of the conversation the last couple of years. But this team feels deeper and, and it feels different this year. Yeah, I'm scanning the roster now. I mean, all their top-ranked guys are basically here, right? Uh, except for Rappelier, for the most part. Um, trying to go down the list right here. Dakari Nelson's not here, but is Dakari Nelson going to get in right away? Is King Mack going to make a difference right away? You know, both those positions seem pretty solidified, I would think. Uh, you know, Kavion Keys is another guy that I think we're excited to see. Kavion's not here, right? I don't, I don't, no, I don't no he's not. Okay. So Kavion be another guy that just just kind of excited to see you know how he comes in and tests right. I mean, but like as far as getting on the field this year, you know, it just it just feels like those positions are pretty well solidified, especially when you have the rise of Tony Rojas. I know Tony really impressed uh, everybody this spring, but you know you got Jamil Lyons coming in there eventually. Let's see how he how how quickly he progresses and all that. But you know between Joseph Mopoy, London Montgomery, Mason Robinson, Tyreek Blanding. You know, Cam Wallace, I will say seeing Cam Wallace on the sideline at Blue White, I didn't realize how thick he is, uh, which would just be interesting to see, you know, if he, is he a little bit more of a bulldozer than uh, than I thought, you know, coming out of uh, Georgia there. But I, I don't I don't see that Rappier has to be the one as far as uh, at least from talking to people, they, they seem to feel like he's physically ready. And then obviously, is he is he ready to take that next step as far as the playbook and all that kind of stuff? Fitz, do you, do you think that um, Penn State, would use him as a fourth tight end if you if you were up to the task, or would that be more of a value proposition of, um, if barring injury, obviously, if they don't necessarily need him, they like Dinkins as that third tight end. They play three. Would they dip into four and have a true two deep at that position, uh, in order to uh, use him, or is that kind of a, um, I guess a a nice thing to have, don't need to use it sort of situation? 
Yeah, it's more of a luxury right now. But, you know, you've seen guys that they go down at that position. It's a, it's a rough position for some guys. So you've got an opportunity for him to play on the back end. But, I I mean, it's it's a luxury at this point. We're talking yeah. third, fourth tight end. We You know, we joked about the third tight end battle going into spring many times. And it turned out to be, a you know, a big deal because you get Khalil Dinkins, those reps. Jerry Cross, how does he fit in? Uh, Joey Schlaffer. How does he fit in? I did a, a notebook on Friday. I would suggest you check it out on the offensive early enrollees um, on the site of Blue White Illustrated. So uh, you know, definitely check that out. But I mean, we're talking fourth tight ends here. It's it's not a situation where he can come in. The the intriguing thing to me about the guys that are coming in for summer for whatever, um, Dakari Nelson and King Mac, the two that Ryan highlighted, are guys that I think, you know, are physically able to play right away, and they're also from really far away. So you sort of placate them by playing them special teams, maybe some instances where they get into defense. So that's the interesting one to me. I think Dakari Nelson is physically unlike anything else in the class. And that's saying something because there are some really good physical specimens in the class. Penn state's not used to having safeties that look like that. So I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued to see if he can stick, but he's big and he can run, which to me means he can cover kicks. So I'm interested to see um, whether he takes that step immediately when he gets onto campus, um, you know, for the for for preseason practice, King Mac a little bit different because he doesn't have that size, but he can run, uh, he can field kicks, he can do a lot of different things. He's a tremendously skilled player. He's also from far away. Keep those guys happy. If it takes playing them and playing that and burning that red shirt, maybe so be it. Speaking of Cam Wallace, uh, King Mac, another thick guy for sure, uh, undersized, mm -hmm. but there's there's some pretty good athletes coming in in this in this group and, and from last year abdul carter emerged from this group of guys that came in in this springtime um not comparing any of them to this particular group to abdul carter um but it is interesting that last year he was talking about linebacker what the, what's going to happen do you play abdul at mike and this year the conversation is so much different for this group of hey it'd be nice if andrew rappelier was a player but if not, like, that's okay. It'd be nice if Dakari Nelson could play, but you don't necessarily need him because uh, Penn State, just, I guess, further illustrating how stacked and deep this team is at the moment where a lot of teams in college football are are looking for freshmen to contribute because of uh, holes on the roster. Um, Ryan, did you have something? It looked like you were Chief about Frank. to say something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to do my best to not cut you guys off all the time. Yeah. So given the facial expressions. Hey, we just didn't mention two guys, though. Carmelo Taylor, wide receiver, very important yeah. position. And also Trey Potts. Do you, Sean, do you know when Trey gets here? Yeah, he's he's here next week. He's supposed to be. Okay, yeah. Okay, so, you know, just, again, Trey probably going to be the third guy. We'll see what happens there. But he is an experienced guy, somebody that I expect to – I expect him to see the field, uh, mm -hmm. you know, depending on how many snaps we'll see. And then just Carmelo Taylor. Do I expect Carmelo Taylor to come in and, and be the third receiver or anything like that? No. But we have seen uh, with with Trey Wallace. We have seen with Amari Evans. You know, just guys getting on the field there. You know, just be curious to see if Carmelo Taylor can hit the ground running and, uh, you know, make a good impression, maybe become the, the fifth or sixth guy that kind of rotates in there at times. But uh, do I do I foresee that happening? No. But just another name, two names I just think we should we should mention. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. We'll be talking a little bit more, and, and Ryan, I'm going to be getting your thoughts on Alonzo Ford in just a little bit. We talked about him on Friday. Speaking of the transfer portal, Penn State adding a defensive tackle in this class. Uh, like I said, we'll talk about that in a little in a little bit, but we want to hear from you as well. You got some thoughts or questions here on the BWI Live recruiting show this morning. Uh, we're off to a hot start. Got a lot of stuff to talk about, but we want to hear what you have to say. So drop your thoughts in the chat, or if you're watching this on replay, you can always throw them in uh, as a comment. Uh, I peruse the comments and the ones that are uh, 
intelligible. Like, I understand what you're saying. I will respond to. We always <laughs> respond to the comments that uh, make sense to respond to. Uh, but we got to get to our next topic today, and that is Robbie Martin announced his top eight for uh, his recruiting. And I know that he's going to be a guy making a decision this summer. Here you have it on screen. Ryan, coming back to you uh, about the situation here, what can you tell fans about Robbie Martin, Penn State, the relationship here, and how you view their spot in this pecking order of eight schools? Yeah, so certainly I think uh, high on Robbie's board. Uh, we'll, we'll see how things progress. I, I think Penn State wants him to be potentially their center in this class. I think the real question, though, is – where does he stand with a few other potential interior guys? You know, is uh, one of the answer I got to figure out is is Pocky Fee now, who's listed as a, an interior guy at on three. See an interior guy, is he a tackle? Because we know Will Will Satterwhite's in there. We'll see how that progresses in the weeks and months ahead. But uh, where where is Robbie Martin in that in that pecking order? I, I think Robbie Martin is going to have to camp at Penn State to solidify where he's at in that order. Uh, Still trying to figure out, you know, what what week he's going to camp, if he's going to camp. I, I think he's going to camp though, uh, and and we'll see where things go from there. But to in my eyes, Penn State is absolutely very high on his list. I also just see a couple other recruits probably ahead of him on the board uh, as an interior player at the moment. Fitz, uh, coming to you, just your general thoughts on this, and and how do you see the the timeline of this playing out because that does seem like something that is going to come into the equation here with Martin, just because even if it weren't for the, where Penn State views him, the class is very full at this point. So there's, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made, obviously. Yeah. Penn state's at the point where with their offensive line recruitment, they can get selective. You, you look at out what's out there. Obviously you prefer tackles to interior guys, but you're not going to turn down a really good interior player. Martin's a very good player. Uh, West Virginia and NC state in there as well. Um, a couple of schools, Miami uh, is involved. So I think that that is um, something that I agree with Ryan. I think you have the opportunity to be selective, um, especially for an interior guy. You're going to, you're going to lean to tackles. You're going to lean to guys that, you know, you hope you can, if they don't work out a tackle can play outside in. So I, um, I just think that it's, it's kind of a testament to the way that they've recruited offensive linemen in this class, cast a wide net. There's a lot of names out there, names that are off the radar and come back on the radar. I know I'm, going to plug a piece that's not up yet, but Ryan's working on something that's really good for today, uh, centered mostly around the offensive line. So uh, there's uh, Penn State's in a good spot right now. Five commitments, if you include Caleb Brewer in there, kind of an athlete, but uh, I, I see him as a guard. Ryan sees him at the defensive line. We can argue about that one until he enrolls, but uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot to like there in terms of what Penn State has out there on the offensive line committed and what's still out there um, with uh, with some names that, that are have become regulars, really. Uh, I want to ask something quickly um, before we get to this, though. Uh, we got a couple questions here in the chat. Um, not to me no mention of Penn State versus West Virginia Saturday night kickoff announcement. Um, this is the recruiting show, but we we're gonna we're gonna tackle that on Wednesday for sure, more in depth, along with uh, people asking about board of uh, trustee election results, all that stuff. We usually cover on the Penn State football proper show, which is on Wednesday. But Ryan, I know that you were on the TV schedule announcement train. You had some stuff about this last week. Mm -hmm. So any thoughts on primetime kickoff guys? Uh, I mean, I think if you've been on the board, you know that we've, we've thought that that was likely for at least a few weeks now. I mean, I, I think that's going to be Penn state's only night game this year, unless it's a lower game, you know, maybe a big 10 game uh, or excuse me, uh, a big 10 network kind of game that, you know, those Buffalo uh, who was the other team? I don't know. They played one other team. At night. Oh, Georgia state. 
Yeah, Georgia State. I mean, we'll see. I, I, when you get later into November, it's hard to predict. And of course, NBC has night games into November now. But, you know, when I look at the home schedule, when I look at the away schedule, like I could see Maryland away potentially being uh, an NBC game later in the year, just when you look at the schedules and all that. But, uh, you know, I, I, if you follow our reporting on the message board last week about this stuff, I, I think there's a very real chance this is Penn State's only night game this year. And I think that makes that a very real chance that this is going to be Penn State's whiteout game. It won't be announced yet for probably another couple of weeks. Uh, Penn State's going to see what other kickoff times come in. I do expect other kickoff times to get announced. I don't know if any of Penn State's will because just the times – their bigger games are later in the year. and There's no reason to announce those games now. Usually they announce the first handful of the games. Um, and, and, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. But I would say this. If uh, you're looking into going to Penn State's Whiteout game and you don't know which one it is, this is a good ticket to purchase. It's going to be interesting to see how fans adjust to know Whiteout with uh, Ohio State or Michigan uh, going to the future with the big new kickoff and all of those things. I want to come back to Robbie Martin, though, because there's there's you mentioned this fits a couple minutes ago. Penn State's in a really good position with the offensive line. Um, and I think that that is what really the main thrust of the show to me was looking at Robbie Martin and saying, oh, this is a really good prospect. And Penn State has a lot of really good prospects that they're in on. So not only do they have guys in the class, but it seems like they have a lot of really good options to choose from heading into the summer. If you rewind to last year, Penn State was in a similar situation at some point in the winter and early spring where uh, they had a, a strong offensive class. Maybe they were looking for a pure tackle, but they had a lot of really good football players. And then some summer attrition hit where Georgia came by and started shopping out of the Penn State commitment class. Now, there's no predicting that part, but given Penn State's options, guys, and given what they have already on the roster, if they were not to add another player or if they didn't decide to, uh, you know, if some situation happened, would you consider this a successful offensive line class and then... What puts it over the top to you? So, Fitz, I want to start with you on that. Uh, yeah, I think it's a successful class in the sense that you went out and you recruited what you were looking for. You've got true tackles. Sexton um, and uh, Egan Boyer, definitely true tackles. 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, long arms, all that kind of stuff. Um, which, if you have a criticism about the class of 2023, which you probably shouldn't because it's a really, really good class, and they did close with a tackle in Chimneyona, um, it's that you've got guys that are swing guys, guard guy, you know, uh, Donka's a guard, Birchmeyer's a guard, Javen Williams in a perfect world is probably a guard swing guy. Um, and then you've got uh, Ono's a tackle. Tackles are just so hard to find, but you've got a couple of true tackles here. As I said, you've got a swing guy in, in Cooper Cousins who could possibly be a tackle as well. Brewer's an interior guy. Um, so you've got like the body type that you're looking for in this class. I, I don't know that the ceiling in terms of what it, what they've gotten is what they got in the 2023 class because the 2023 class really really good really good players, um, but these guys still have senior years to go through. There's a lot to like there. Um, can they add it and and make it a quantity and quality that outpaces the 2023 class? Possibly. I mean, you still got some guys out there. Kevin Haywood's very good. You mentioned Satterwhite, Packy Finau. Um, there's a bunch of guys that could fit that role that could make this a a quality and quantity type class and it's uh you know that's certainly what you're what you're hoping for i mean to, to, to not mention donnie harbor uh, i just slipped my mind for for a second but uh yeah you would like to continue to add at tackle um and that does mean haywood that does you know and it's interesting to that he set up four official visits penn state not one of those official visits but they contend that they're still right in the mix um so we'll see what happens with that 
Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where you're at with that. I, I've, I've I've rambled here on this offensive line class. I like it a lot, <laughs> but I I just I you know I've seen so much of Birchmeyer, seen so much of Javen Williams. Uh, with that, seen so much of Cooper Cousins because he's been committed as long as those guys. Uh, yeah. Donka is a guy that I'm really really high on as well, um, and we'll see what happens with Ono. Um, just I think it's a situation where. You know, if you average per star or whatever, you know, average ratings or whatever, that 2023 class is going to end up higher. But this 2024 class also very good with the body types that you're looking for. And that, you know, there's still some really good players on that board as well. Yeah, it's good that they complement each other, too. That's a great point. And, and also the 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 need at tackle and the way they've addressed it so far, I, I think, is has been really impressive and kind of what led this to this. Ryan, going into the official visit season, um, how do you feel about Penn State's opportunity to add what yeah. they're looking for and what Fitz just outlined? So what I would say is when you stack it up nationally, you know, against other classes, Penn State has four quality offensive linemen committed, three four-star players, one three-star. It will stack up well currently as it is. It will be a top five class. But I think if you ask Penn State's coaches, if they told you they missed out on the five, six, seven guys that are still out there and they and they didn't close on any of them i wouldn't say that they would consider it a failure but they would be upset by that because of how big this net still is you know we didn't even mention liam andrews is he a d lineman is he an o lineman i don't know uh we'll see how that plays out long term but he's still in the mix we uh, ethan calloway he's going to take an official visit to penn state you know there are a lot of guys quality guys four-star guys still available still very interested in penn state penn state has to get one more offensive lineman in this class i think that is a must very important because remember there are eight offensive linemen currently on the roster who are entering their fourth year or or more. So they are. I mean, it's going to be a good year for offensive line fans. Fans are you know excited about what's come together. But after this year, it's going to get uh, depleted quite a bit. So they have to stack up on talent. And they need their young guys to step up as well. Uh, in my eyes, they need at least one more offensive lineman in this class, preferably you know a top two fifty kind of guy. And that's the trick is Penn State has great depth right now, especially on the interior. You've got to keep that up. And best way to do that, I know the transfer portal is a thing, but recruiting has been where Penn State has made the most hay with the offensive line. And we've seen the most rapid advancement in, in that particular area. Before we get to our next topic, i got to tell you about our sponsor of today's show, My Perfect Franchise. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? People want more out of their lives. They don't just want to work for a paycheck and work as part of their life. It should be uh, it should be something that enriches what you do and gives you the opportunity for more in your life. Or, or maybe you're just looking for a side hustle while working your current job and you're trying to build towards that next thing. Whatever you want to do, diversify, build wealth, leave a legacy, all these things are possible through my perfect franchise and through franchise ownership, according to Andy Ludicky, the owner of of my perfect franchise which you can check out he's a con uh, a franchise consultant with extensive experience placing people like you with the perfect franchise to manage understanding what your interests and skills are how you think how uh business savvy you might be getting you the information you need to make the right decision if this interests you this is something he told us about in during the pandemic in 2020 there was this big lurch for people on message boards. Andy has been a message board member since the founding of Rivals, and this is a community he cares about, and there were people like him that had skills like him that had nothing, uh, nowhere to go with their career, and he wanted to help, so that was part of the impetus to start My Perfect Franchise, 
And uh, so if you are part of the message board community, if you're watching here on YouTube, you're one of our regulars, he's a guy that thinks like you and he can help if that's something you are interested in. Services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions. Check out the Blue White Illustrated message board for more information, uh, or Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net to get started today. So we talked about the, the transfer portal a little bit earlier, and I want to jump ahead to that because uh, we didn't. We talked about Alonzo Ford. You can check out that video here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Ryan, any thoughts on what is going on with the portal I know, Fitz, you cover this a, a little more specifically, but Ryan, I wanted to get you a chance to get your thoughts on Penn State adding Alonzo Ford uh, and, and the situation at defensive tackle. Yeah, certainly a rotational guy. Uh, Sean, you know, Sean's been on that much more than me, so I don't want to speak too much. I mean, I, I see a smart player who can rotate, right? I mean, the experienced guy, important. You know, you don't know what's going on with Izzard in that situation as well. Uh, so from that perspective, it's good. Was he 6'2", 280? So he, you know, he doesn't have that Jared Odrick length or anything uh, that really you know pops out, grabs your eye. But he's going to make an impact. He's going to get plenty of reps, uh, and, and he's going to help bring depth to that to that line. You know, but again, it's a situation where in an ideal world, you know, they're picking up a a, a top guy who's going to make a massive difference for them. And and you know, in my eyes, I still think Zane Durant. Uh, could end up being the guy who explodes this year and has a, has a big year for them. So good player. You know, what were they at four or five deep now, Sean? You know, which is good. They got plenty of rotational, uh, plenty of guys to rotate there. Uh, but is he going to be a guy that comes in and, you know, has an Arnold Epichetti kind of year? I, I don't know if we want to push that too far yet. No, even a, a Tangelo year would be un- incredible. <laughs> Again, people forget how mm-hmm. good he was. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I think that with the transfer portal, in terms of what's out there, you're still looking at co- for corner. Obviously, mm-hmm. trying to replace Storm Duck, but more so than trying to replace Storm Duck, trying to replace years in the future. Here, uh, Traquan Fagans was a guy that was they were going to bring in for a visit. He committed to USC over the weekend, so he's off the board. So right now, just kind of spraying offers. Uh, it, it's an interesting um, approach because the portal is shut. Unless you're a grad transfer, you can't go back in the portal. So you have a pretty good idea of what's available to you. So maybe you're offering guys that you're not going to go with. We talked about this when the when the uh, the window opened, just kind of spraying offers out there and and then following up. So I think Penn State has kind of uh, done that a little bit with uh, with the corner position. We're going to look into that a little bit more this week. Audavian Collins is a guy that they offered, uh, I believe it was at Mississippi State for a spell. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they actually bring in any of these guys in on official visits. Um, so far, just Alonzo Ford has been the one that's, that, that has come in for an official visit. Um, is it a luxury so- and a need? Um, probably right in the middle there um, because you do need somebody because Kalen King, nobody sees him coming back in 2024. Johnny Dixon as well. Cam Miller, they're really high on, but you need bodies in there. Is Elliot Washington ready to make that jump? I don't know. Lamont Payne, you got a couple freshmen there. Zion Tracy, uh, who didn't play this spring, so you've got uh, you've got questions there in 2024. You kind of give the benefit of the doubt to Terry Smith because he's done so well at that room, but he's certainly trying to find somebody that can fit uh, the mold that they're looking for for basically 2014 and beyond. Be a be a fourth guy this year, and then beyond possibly be a starter. So the portal is what it is at this point is I think what Fitz is saying is there's not going to be any more surprises, any more guys that go in there because if they have the the um, 
eligibility or the talent, they've already made the decision and they had to make that decision already. So uh, for people that are wondering about what's left in, in the portal, check out bluewhiteillustrated.com for more information on the players that they're offering who are in there. Because it's a lot. And by the way, uh, on three's portal tracker is a great tool that I use when I'm building the rundown and I'm trying to figure out what we're going to talk about today, what players are available, and it gives a great um, indicator, a great starting point, even for me during film evaluation to go, okay, what is this guy's skill level? What is his value to the team? Kind of where does he fit into this eco sphere, this landscape of players? So check out the On3 portal tracker as well. Um, Ryan, I'm coming back to you because Under Armour coming up this weekend, more camps mm -hmm. scouting. As much as we're looking at 2024, uh, the move to 2025 evaluation is on in full swing uh, pretty soon, right? And, and the Under Armour camp coming up. What are you hoping oh, it's to get out of it and check it out? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 2025 has been for the coaches. Uh, yeah, we're we're all, they're already pretty deep for in us. That. I and mean, yeah, I'm starting to yeah. think about 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, with with June coming up and all the guys that are going to camp and unofficial visits and seven on sevens, you know, 2025 really, I think we'll be talking about a lot more in about 60 days or so from now. But uh, Under Armour, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to take away from it. We don't have a list yet. Under Armour will share the list with us. Uh, you know, what usually Wednesday, Thursday, Sean, something like that. I mean, I think the big thing is, uh, will they have a couple committed guys there? They usually do, you know, getting around those guys, seeing how they perform in those kind of settings. You know, for me, it's there's there's two things really to take away from these. Obviously, Under Armour collects uh, testing data, testing data that uh, we're in a fortunate situation where we, we've been able to get, you know, last like from on three's perspective, we they are connected in that situation. So we were able to get some of those texting numbers for guys from last year, things like that. Um, so we don't get wrong. We'll take information from that. But I think for us, it's more so interviews, getting to see guys, you know, one on ones, wide receivers, DBs, those kind of things. O, o line, D line, one on ones, uh, seeing those up close. I mean, this is the one big camp really that comes to the region. Now, UC report was in New Jersey the other week. It was a downpour. Um, you know, the list wasn't bad, but it just the way the weather worked out. I didn't think it really worked out to be the, the camp they were hoping it to be uh, so this will end up being really probably the biggest camp in the region of course elite 11 will come uh to state college then a week later but that's obviously just kind of mainly focusing on quarterbacks so this is our one chance to really kind of see a bunch of guys up close whether it's 2024 2025 you'll have some 2026 guys there um yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes out of it who stands out and and just kind of collecting interviews you know are, are there a couple guys there that'll be there who are quiet with the media is there one opportunity chance to, or one opportunity to really talk to them in person things like that so that's sunday uh i'll be down there for sure sean i, don't, I think you're coming with me we'll, we'll see what the schedules look like but uh yeah looking forward to that and then you got elite 11 the week after that you got memorial day and then boom um can't you know, see. what's that stuff? boom goes the dynamite boom it's just gonna go crazy in June. <laughs> <laughs> Early internet reference i love it yes uh fits he talks about the timing uh and the the information the data that comes out of camps like this um how do you if if you ever interact with that information of testing times from these camps how, how do you view that information in terms of value and also understanding that um you know how do I put this? If you're running into a headwind, your 40 time might not be exactly mm -hmm. what it is when uh, you have better conditions. We saw that a couple of years ago when we were down in Maryland and it was a really nice day with about a 35 mile an hour wind blowing across the field. So guys were running their 40 straight into it. So some of those things you just got to toss out and you got to take it and basically put it on a scale. I think Deny Dennis Sutton was there. It was really good camp um, with uh 
with some really good players. Um, but uh, you've got to take that and take into account, like Ryan mentioned the UC report camp last week, it was pouring down rain. Like who's going to test well in that? Luke Reynolds tested well in that, by the way, Penn State commit. Yeah, I was going to um, say. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, other than that, it's tough. We went to this camp last year. All three of us think we're there in uh, yeah. at Calvert Hall last year, and it was absolutely miserable. And I would not have suggested testing for any kid that was involved that day. Like, it was really, really bad. Um, and uh, so you just got to take those things into account, especially if you were there. It's going to be one of those things that's going to be a blemish for prospects if they don't understand, like if they can't scratch or they don't scratch, then, you know, you're, you're sometimes you're better off running instead of having, I know there's a prospect that's in my mind right now that was on Penn State's board was a cornerback that ran a five flat. Like that's going to haunt you. That's going to be something that sticks at you. And when people are viewing this information, they're not going to view it through the lens of, Hey, it was really cold and windy and rainy, and I had to go sit in my car for 20 minutes because my hands were not working. Um, it snowed it was so cold. that day. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. And, and and thank goodness Under Armour backed these things up because this was that was mid-April last year. It was the day that Neo Avery decommitted from Penn State. It was mid-April and it was terrible. And you can do these camps in February and March in Orlando, but you can't come north and do them. It's supposed to be 75 and decent half decent at least on on uh saturday in the baltimore area so i'm hoping that you know maybe come through and get some better you know uh testing numbers and things like that but that's that's kind of the scope it, it's a data point really mm -hmm. is what i'm trying to say it's, it's not something that you can base your entire uh evaluation on if you do base your entire evaluation on camps shorts t-shirts testing numbers all that stuff it's going to burn you because you've, you you know you start always start with the film so that's where I'm at on it. There's going to be some really good players there. As Ryan said, we're not going to get the list until midweek. Um, so I don't want to speculate on who's going to be there, which Penn State commits or Penn State targets are going to be there. But it's always a situation where um, there are, you know, it's it's very Penn State flavorful um, in that region. What are you on the backside of that then? You know, setting that up with testing times when they're ideal or good, but you also want to take it with a grain of salt and make sure you have the context. So what are you looking for on the backside of that in terms of is that a, an area where Penn State would offer more commitments when they uh, get some of the information out of that, uh, when they start to see the clips coming out of that, or is it very much just another part of the puzzle and things will happen on their own course? I guess if, pans are, if, if fans are looking for times to see certain events, is after a regional camp like that something where you'd see movement from Penn State? Oh, absolutely. Um, all these schools are getting this information. As I said, UC reports recruiting service. They get these testing numbers out there. Schools subscribe to this to get the numbers. And it's, you know, it's like having a camp before your camp season. So you get an opportunity to see what these guys run. It's non-biased. Uh, you can make your own determinations in terms of whether the clock was fast that day or whether the surface was slow, you know, all these kind of stuff that you, the, you work into it. Uh, but it's, it's really a difficult, um, way to sort of split hairs between your evaluations like you you're going to have your base evaluation and you want to have as many times as you can get like whether or not that's on par with what you have whether it's faster than what you have you have to do these things where you take into track times you take camp times you take what the kid ran a couple of years ago you know you've got all these different data points here and so it's just add it to the to the mix where it could help you is Maybe you get legit size on somebody that didn't visit your campus. Maybe you get speed numbers on somebody where, you know, you've been waiting for that and they don't run track or something like that. And that can help. Um, where I see Penn State in particular in this camp season or, or this 
I would call it sneaker camps, but they're not really sneaker camps anymore. Uh, season with Under Armour, with uh, the opening, all that kind of stuff. Elite 11 is looking at quarterbacks. Like if mm-hmm. you're looking to expand your quarterback board, there was just a an Elite 11 down in Oxford, Mississippi. You're going to see Penn State start to follow and start to maybe offer guys that were out there. Um, they did it with the the kid in Florida whose name is escaping me right now a couple of weeks ago. So you've got an opportunity to get more eyes, to get more data. And that's what you're always looking for when you're evaluating these kids is, is all the data that you can possibly handle. And then what you do with that, you, you know, you kind of do with it from the experience that you have. Next up here on the show, uh, we will be getting to some of these guys' thoughts of what they wrote about in the last week or so in Read and React. How this works is these guys are excellent writers, and they write stuff over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. We take select parts of what they've they've written to get a little more context, maybe to give you a little bit of flavor of what you can get at bluewhiteillustrated.com, which you should absolutely sign up for right now. $29.99 from now to the start of football season at the end of August. So uh, please do that. Check that out. Consider subscribing. And, of course, if you're here at the video, like this video and subscribe. Um, something I want to get to here, Ryan, I'm going to skip ahead. I want to get to the, uh, what you wrote about last week. You were talking about this before the show, four things we learned from Penn state in April, going mm-hmm. back and, and doing the valuable work of, we talked about all these things, but then looking at them all in context, once the, the hay is in the barn. So what did you learn going back and looking at all that information? Yeah, just went through a bunch of stats, right. Trying to figure out, uh, when's the last time Penn state had a massive recruiting run, like they just did, which, uh, it doesn't take that much research. They do it every year. And that's kind of what I hit on uh, in this one. Uh, what was it? Was it nine guys? I think it was nine guys who committed between March 25th, April 28th. Uh, they, they pretty much have been doing this every year. So I kind of just went back, uh, compared it to some other runs. You know, the biggest run they've had so far was that one in 2020. Uh, I think it was 14 commitments between June 3rd, June or July 5th. Uh, of course, that was a little different, though, because of the pandemic at the time. You know, all, every, every recruit in the freaking country, it felt like, was waiting for the NCAA to give an announcement on whether there would be visits. And sure enough, there wasn't visits for for a whole nother year later. Uh, that was obviously early in the pandemic. But, you know, looking back in the 2022 class, 11 commitments, just kind of comparing how it all stacked up. Uh, you guys can check it out uh, if you subscribe. You know, a couple other things, too. I went through the numbers uh, the of, you know, who all visited. Uh, over the past year. So, for example, 142 players uh, in the 2024 class who I believe will play at the FBS level were on campus, you know, throughout spring practice. Uh, we also did it for 2025, um, you know, also the numbers for how many four stars were on campus, just stuff like that. So just kind of comparing how this spring shaped up the previous springs. And, of course, you know, we look at the offensive line, uh, Penn State getting Quinton Martin, just looking at some key topics that I think were really important looking back on what will be, I expect, Penn State's biggest run on the recruiting trail this year. We will certainly see another run in June into July. Uh, but when we have seen those massive June and July runs, those 12 you know, or so guys committing, they didn't have the spring that they just had. So um, now, now I'm running my mouth right here on YouTube, right, Sean? They'll probably go on another dozen or so and, 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 and end up uh, you know, beating out the nine commitments that we just saw. But I, I would expect it to maybe – drag out a little bit more, you know, early June, mid-June, and then maybe go deeper into the year. Although usually by the time we get to August, pretty much everybody's set. Yeah, that's how Penn State recruits is, you know, they load up and then you get to the 
the season and then it's October and November and everybody's saying, where are the commits? And you already have 23 in your class. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of how Penn state operates. Uh, you know, they've got 13 right now. So there's, there's room, but like after a big run, is there going to be much more room after that? Not really. That's kind of how they've, they've worked it. And you don't have the limits that you had with the scholarship, uh, the 25 hard cap, but you still have limits on the 85. So you're going to continue to see about that. I, I agree with you. I think maybe June, July, probably more so July, but also, you know, you, you have an opportunity to grab some guys in June coming off official visit weekends, shutting it down and, and you know, whatever their prerogatives is for deciding that early, that, that makes sense. But yeah, I think another summer run is due kind of may is always kind of a lull, but uh, you know, by the time we say that somebody else commits. So we'll, uh, we'll try and try and keep away from that. And, and then the focus will go on to 2025, which it already has gotten there. Uh, Fitz, I want to ask you this as a, an extended segue to our next topic here in read and react. And that is the receiver board. Something that I think I've harped on a little bit. I don't want to hit it too much, but at the same time, no receivers in this class won the previous year. I understand 2022 was a big class, but um, how important is it for the team to be able to find one of those guys that they're really looking for and actually bring in a guy that is a, a class-leading player um, for the class of 2024 with everything James Franklin talked about during the spring about finding guys that can be playmakers on the outside and can be, provide that explosive value to the game. I don't think he was just talking about this team that spring. That seems to me more of a tent pole sort of, this is what we need going forward. So none in this class so far. How do you feel about that heading into what you just described? Yeah, you got to get to June right right now because you've got to get those official visits in there um, and, and sort of that's kind of how you shape your board is guys like Chance Robinson. Can you get him up? And although he's a Miami commit now, Nick Marsh, a very important target for Penn State and a guy that, you know, you seem to be on the rise for, I guess you would say. Um, so you've got that opportunity. Jalen Hornsby, we've talked about him before. So um, not taking guys just to take guys, but you got to get to June so you can get those guys on campus and then you see some movement. As I said, uh, would have expected maybe one by now, but uh, that hasn't happened that way. So if you're Marcus Higgins, you get those guys to June, get them on campus, get them in your room, uh, you know, sort of get them a, a, a taste of what you bring to the to the table as a position coach and go from there. It's it's not, you know, they're not in the best spot right now, but they they have an opportunity to salvage it and they're gonna they're gonna be okay. They're gonna end up getting receivers at the end of the day. Um, it's just not stretching yourself to take one right now. So we're, we're gonna see where he does. He's got a job ahead of him, no doubt about it. Ryan, speaking of receivers, you spoke, uh, or I should say you wrote about over at bluewhiteillustrated.com quite a bit about Nick Marsh the last week or so. So just give us a rundown on um, what Penn State fans can go read about over there and your opinion of how everything stacks up with, with yeah, I'm well, assuming that's their top target at, at this point, right? Uh, certainly one of their top three, I would say. I mean, easily definitely could say top three. I, I think Ryan Wingo is... A guy that I don't expect to end up at Penn State, but I mean, he's very high on their list as well. And Chance Robinson's very high on their list as well. I mean, you can, I think we can certainly make the case that Nick Marsh is, is their number one guy, but I just, I feel safer saying those are just kind of the top three. They're all very good uh, receivers. Um, what I would say is, so first off, shout out to our coworker, Zach Libby. He went to their school last week, did extensive interview with Nick Marsh and his head coach and, and shared that information with us, shared all those quotes. And that's what we wrote up. Uh, going into that, you know, Sean, you you had talked to Nick more than I had leading into that. And, and, you know, just listening to the whole interview, listening to what the coach had to say before that, 
I thought, okay, Penn State's trending here. You know, they're they're did a good job getting him on campus. There's work to be done. By the time I was done listening to that interview and listening to what the coach had to say and, and also talk to one or two people, you know, I feel pretty good saying Penn State is probably top two right now with, with Michigan State. Uh, this feels like a situation to me where Auburn has work to do. And then the other two schools seem to be in the mix are Kansas and Oregon. And I do think all five are going to get official visits. That's something that's kind of come out after the Under Armour Columbus camp this past weekend, which was you know a week after this interview was done. Uh, I believe Kansas is going to squeeze a midweek in there, and it sounds like Oregon might get them that second week uh, in, in June. But uh, he already decommitted from Michigan State too, right? So how many times do guys decommit from a school and recommit? Those percentages are low. Not saying it won't happen in this situation, but that's something to keep an eye on as well. So I think Penn State fans should feel good about this situation. The one thing, again, I'll come back to say, as we've said before, is Auburn, Michigan State, Oregon. They're the other three schools I'm taking serious. No disrespect to Kansas. Uh, although I guess that's disrespectful. Um, <laughs> but what do those three schools have in common? They are all massively aggressive with NIL. Uh, it doesn't sound like Michigan State's being as aggressive this year as they were last year. Uh, I, we'll see how that plays out in the, in the long run. But uh, all three of them have been very, very aggressive. So I just I don't want to put too much stock in saying, yeah, Penn State should be the favorite here right now because I think once you get close to commitment time, which for Nick Marsh is July 7th, uh, that's when schools start talking about money a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where the drama will be. Yeah, that's where the hard decisions, you got to actually make decisions. And that seems to be, that's going to factor in, it seems. So Xander asked this, uh, continuing the receiver conversation, Tyser Denmark is with Oregon as a commit. Is mm -hmm. Penn State still, uh, this was one I think that you guys talked about before. Tyser Denmark, they're not going to stop recruiting him just like Luke Cromenhoek at Florida State, even though those guys have been locked in and have, you know, put out all the graphics of locked in, 100%, closed, recruit. Like, they're still going to be talking to these guys, right? So this this recruiting of Tyser Denmark isn't stopping at any time soon, no. right, Fitz? No, they, they won't stop soon. And it's a situation where if you get him back on campus, you're not going to hear about it until he's on campus. Uh, that's kind of what happened last time is, is it got out there and Oregon kind of squashed that one. And, uh, you know, which is the same thing that Penn State would do. It's the same thing any school would do if their their commit was visiting anywhere else, try and make it not happen. Oregon was, was successful. We will continue to see. It's a long way until signing day. Um, I still obviously think that, that Oregon's the team to beat and, the, you know, the school that is the odds on favor for the signature. But it's long distance, long time. Those things usually work uh, and, and guys find their way onto other campuses. So we'll see what happens with Denmark. They're still recruiting him. Absolutely. Um, he's an in-state prospect that they really, really like. Um, he's got you know, stuff to focus on uh, academically, but at the same time, he's tremendously talented. So you've got uh, you've got to keep up with that. And, and they've done so. But I think a lot of that is going to be done uh, sort of under the rug. Uh, we've had an awesome show today, had an awesome participation from the chat, although we end here with this from Paul. Greetings from Miami. I love digesting the recruiting show from the beach. Wait, way to rub it in. I think we had like one of our first 70-degree <laughs> days in the last two weeks yesterday. Guys, anything anything left, uh, any meat left on the bone from either of you you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, Sean? not really. There's a couple guys that were on the beach, and I was really happy for them. It's great. Um, but, uh, <laughs> other than that, no, not much. Uh, Ethan Grunkmeyer, uh, Ryan wrote uh, last at the end of last week, going to visit Penn State on May 10th. Quarterback, um, obviously Ooh. quarterback, very interesting. I remembered, sorry, you've got a time, time out. It's, All right. It just got changed to May 12th. I confirmed that today. Uh, he's going to come Friday instead of Wednesday. All right. So Even I better. haven't put that out there yet. Yeah, you go. Yep. yep. 
the Elite 11s the next day, so we'll see how many quarterbacks make it. Uh, Trevor Jackson is the name I couldn't think of earlier, the quarterback from Florida that Penn State is recruiting. They offered him after a good showing at one of the first Elite 11. I believe it was one of the first three guys invited to the Elite 11 finals, quarterback from Florida. Um, so Penn State will continue to watch those Elite 11s. Mike Yersich will continue to hop around the country to watch guys throw, and you'll see names pop up on the uh, on the quarterback board because Michael Van Buren, although he's still out there, obviously Oregon uh, very heavily involved in that one. Um, and Luke Cromenhoek, the top, the top target, still committed to Florida State. Again, names will continue to be added, wh- whether that means they offer them and then you don't hear from them again or you don't hear that name again. That's very possible as well. But Yersich is still out there trying to uh, expand his board as the, these Elite 11 camps are happening. One quick follow-up. Would you expect to see any more guys take unofficial visits as Elite 11 coming into your backyard? Uh, seems like a great opportunity for that. Um, do, would you think anyone else would be added to that roster this week? I do. Yes. I don't have names for you, but I do. And I, I'm not I'm not about here to, to sit here and, and uh, dig for those names because you got to go to bluewhiteillustrated.com when they are available to go get them. So thank you guys for all your work today and all your work uh, on recruiting the best in the business. And I'm not pandering to you. I'm not pumping you up because you're on this show. Literally, there is nobody else that covers recruiting the way you guys do. And I appreciate your time today. That'll do it today for the BWI live show. We'll be back on Wednesday discussing Penn State football and uh, some of the recent news that's going on with the university. We touched on a little bit of today. We'll dig into all of that stuff coming up uh, on Wednesday. So please subscribe. Make sure that you are here for the show 10 a.m. on Wednesday. We'll talk to you then.